Hello and welcome to another episode of Mindshare Radio Podcast. My name is Kevin Whelan. As always, it's so good to have you with me. Today, I'm going to walk you through kind of a conversation that I had with community member uh, Rob, Rob Denton-Ross, and he focuses on, I believe, the fintech uh, industry. And um, and he's sort of, you know, doing a bit of execution work, wants to do, and is kind of on the path to doing more advisory work and has a few questions around what, what I'm kind of trying to unpack here around the business model, uh, transitioning more into advisory work, as well as marketing yourself when you're, when you're otherwise quite busy. So what do you do when you're, when you're already pretty busy? What are the main things that you can be doing to attract more business to you? So I'm going to go and kind of walk you through some of the conversation items. I've got Rob's permission to share this. And, um, uh, if you're in the community and you want to, you know, comment any feedback for Rob, do so in the comments of this, of this, uh, of this episode. And uh, I'm sure Rob would, would love any additional feedback or, or thoughts that you may have from others in the community. And so, yeah, with his permission, I'm going to share some of the kind of thoughts and questions that I want to unpack. Um, and the best way to respond in some cases is to do an audio and, uh, he's given me permission to share this publicly with you. So, uh, without any further ado, I'll kind of jump into it. So he says that he started with two clients, both doing execution work. So I guess he's reasonably new ish to, uh, kind of the consulting world. And, um, so we had two clients doing execution work. And by the way, I think starting with execution work is a great plan, even if you want to, and are capable of doing advisory work, you know, even if you've been a marketing manager or an executive for a long time in an organization, going back and doing execution really sharpens your executionary skills, which makes you a better leader and makes, makes you a better advisor. So if you haven't done a lot of execution work, it's usually, I don't know how you, it would be very difficult to be able to sell advisory work without having some strong background in execution. And that's why a lot of people who become advisors and uh, start off as freelancers, maybe they do web design, maybe they do copywriting, maybe they do you know, graphic design and or and or various other things, and then sort of over time end up running into either the, the situation that I was in, where you either have to scale an agency or, you know, or just kind of work more hours doing execution work. Whereas, obviously, if you can scale using by selling your expertise and, and at a higher kind of uh, rate, less time intensive, uh, your profits can go up significantly, and that's exactly what happened with me. But it does; it is a skill in and of itself. So, anyways, uh, I'll go back to the question. So, I started with two clients doing execution work. And, uh, my third client was, uh, was a consultant consultancy arrangement and that was just two days a month, but advising and um, at a much healthier fee. So as you can see, starting to bridge into these higher level engagements, working at a, at a higher altitude in terms of the kind of work that he's doing rather than executional, it's, it's more advisory and oversight. Great. Um, one caveat here, and this is where uh, it helps to do these audios, is that I, I typically don't bill in number of days a month um, unless the client has a specific need where we have to like sit in a room, you know, and workshop ideas. And even then, that would typically be accompanied by an ongoing, you know, retainer where we meet every every week, every every other week, uh, twice a week in some cases. So the 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 full day sessions would be sort of single and and bolt on, whether it's to kick off the engagement or uh, or, or, you know, spread throughout the engagement or even scheduled regularly. I would typically, I typically don't bill by the hour or sorry, by the day. Um, so there's nothing wrong with billing by the day. I just find it less productive than, you know, slowly focusing. Okay. Here's, here's the roadmap. Let's create our grand vision. Let's make sure we're all aligned on where we're going and what we're spending and what the results might be. And then let's just kind of go and chip away at this thing over and over and over again. So that you're always focused on the most next important things. You have the the few things moving that you need to be moving at once. And then our calls are there to sort of really just talk through the situation and make sure that everything's going according to plan. And if they need help with execution, you can help bring on extra suppliers and people to execute and facilitate that process. But ultimately you're not there to, to really do a lot of the, 
execution work anymore. That's not really what you're paid for. So yeah, while I don't bill daily, I'm, I'm, there are cases where it's fine to do that. In fact, I've even worked with clients where they may fly me out to their location, you know, and, and, uh, sometimes I'll charge a rate for that, depending on the, 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 the fees that I'm on. If it's anywhere less than five grand a month, I might charge a fee to, and, and I would have them host me and put me up. Obviously if they invited me out in some cases, I've just gone and visited clients and that's totally fine as well. I wouldn't charge them if I was just proactively looking to visit them unless really we needed to hash something out in person. But those days are very rare. Um, so yeah, uh, I often don't charge for anything other than hotel and accommodations and, uh, and airfare. If I do travel to see a client, uh, typically my retainers will cover, will cover that. And I kind of throw it in as goodwill and it's a good way to kind of solidify a relationship. And they're usually part of a broader six month uh, engagement anyway, six month plus. Uh, and some of those relationships end up lasting a lot longer anyway. So I don't charge by the day. Typically I rather go to at a shorter cadence where we meet every week, once or twice a week or every other week, depending on the, this, the, the situation. And I find that works better. So you, you do what's right for you, but two days a month, I don't even know what kind of a dent I could make uh, in a business unless they were like pre-revenue and we were really just figuring out a bunch of things. And maybe you sp- I've heard of people splitting up those days. So it works out to about two days a, a month, but then you're getting ambiguous and you're getting vague. Yeah. And then you might as well be dividing hours and counting hours. So that's not where I want to be. I'd rather schedule calls on a specific cadence and then fill in the gaps between then uh, if we have to meet and that sort of thing. So, uh, so he says, my third was, was this consultancy two days a month, uh, but advising at a much healthier fee. Great. Now that client has just asked him to join as a fractional CMO three days per week. And this is where we start to, to run into more challenges. So he says there's a scale up. So anticipating, uh, getting more hands on, uh, which makes sense. Now this is where I would either. So there's kind of two situations. One, I may do this for like three months, assuming I had room in my calendar and I might drop in and really help build out the team and the infrastructure and the systems and strategies and get things organized and, you know, ultimately do, you know, the work equivalent to about three days a week. Uh, but I wouldn't position it as three days a week and I would charge it based on the outcome at the end of say three months, but I would definitely put a hard cap on that time. I, this Like what you don't want to do is basically sell your time, uh, you know, because what it does is that three days a week, you're not going to have a business. You're going to be basically a part-time employee of somebody's. You're going to treat you like an employee. And, you know, unless you're charging like 15 grand a month or something uh, or more, like 20 grand, you know, like, you know, as an advisor, you can easily do, you know, triple and beyond six figures um, per year in profit. So why would you, you know, like you'd have to be charging an enormous rate. So really it's usually in the best interest of the client to hire. And this is what I'll help them do. So maybe for the first three months I'll do this and I'll charge between 7,500 and 15 grand per month. Uh, and then I would help them hire a marketing manager who's maybe intermediate, not completely green and maybe not executive level because this is a startup after all, but someone who's decent, has a good background, can manage projects and can do some execution work, whether it's they're good communicators, good designers, maybe a combination of things. So I would help that, that that client hire a marketing manager within that three month sort of span and, and ideally get them trained up and get them going. And then I would phase into more of a lower level advisory retainer. And this is either something, <clears throat> something off the shelf or something that you would, um, you could, you know, you could predetermine or create a first initial six month term where the first three months look like this and the second three months look like this. Uh, and then you, f- you even out the fees over that six month period. And then after six months, you maybe phase into a, a lighter advisory retainer somewhere around like the three to four, $5,000 a month, as opposed to six to $15,000 a month kind of range. So that's what I would do. I, so I, I really don't want to be in a situation where I could potentially have a key client risk where that client could go. And then suddenly like most of my income is gone and I don't want to be in a place where, 
um, where I'm basically treated like an employee and, and you get into the, some of the, the symptoms of this situation a little uh, later on. So as we get there, uh, I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit more about yeah, how it affects your marketing and how it affects all these other things you need to do to run a business, like, like handling and working with other clients and that sort of thing. So with this particular case, I would do it with a very short period of time, maybe three to six months, aim to hire the marketing manager by end of three, and then phase out into a more of an advisory role, a mentorship role by end of six, month six. Um, but yeah, so that's the thing. And then, yeah, I would base it around scheduled calls with, with the, with the clients and everything else. And, um, now this, I'm still, I would still introduce freelancers and agencies and whomever is needed to do the execution work. And I would still keep control of budgets and track all that and track results and, and really still be the mastermind behind it all. But then, um, but then, yeah, I wouldn't be so committed that it basically becomes a part-time job because what ends up happening is the client will eventually, they'll always want more, 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 more. And they'll be like, why aren't we moving fast enough? Why aren't we doing all these other things? And the reality is, as a part-time employee, you just can't do everything, uh, you know? And so you're, and you're really, then you're a set of hands. You're not really an advisor, even if they do treat you, even if you frankly are leading the, the engagement uh, on a, an advisory capacity as well. So that's, those are the big reasons. I don't know if I covered all of them, but the big reasons why I, uh, I don't do the fractional CMO services much. And if I do, it's very limited in terms of like managing and execution work. Uh, but, but this all depends on your financial goal and situation. So, um, you know, if you are like looking to just stack some, some money up for the next little while and you're okay with kind of floating by for a bit, totally, you got to do things the way you want to do them. Uh, I, I completely recognize that not everybody has the ability to turn away big potential engagements like this. So, you know, do with that what you will, but that's just me. And it is to me like a, there is a risk factor in, in doing that. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, dwell on that any further. So the, uh, the, the, the next thing you say is that the main thing for me is that I've been busy with existing clients. So I've not invested any time positioning myself, creating content or doing any research. And now we're starting to see the, the challenge with doing kind of outsourced execution work, uh, outside of the risks that I just talked about. So you, you don't have time to market yourself. You probably, you know, you don't create a website that's strong. You don't, you know, you really have no inbound marketing engine and, so it's okay. The, usually when you're starting an advisory work, you can get by on some initial relationships that you have and some credibility you've built through the, maybe the job you had before or the agency you ran before or what have you. But uh, ultimately, you know, in order to build a lasting, sustainable and scalable business around your expertise and without hiring a big team and getting turning into an agency, which is totally fine if you want to do that. It's just not the kind of core um, teachings that I, that I, that I, that I work by. Um, which again, depends on the person, but that's, that's not the kind of core angle that I can help you with. Um, is that, yeah, you, you know, if you're doing execution for your clients, you're probably not going to be doing much execution for yourself. And then either you're outsourcing that stuff, but then a good consultant shouldn't really outsource at least their thought leadership. Maybe they can outsource the execution of publishing on social media or repurposing some content, but the core of it should be coming from you. So all this is to say is that that's why you want to stick with an advisory style of relationship. You can still charge a lot of money for advisory work if you position one type of service at a client size that's quite big and then a different type of service as something that's a little, someone that's a little bit smaller uh, rather than just levels of time with you. You really position it as here's the size of your company, here's the price. And that way you're value aligning uh, what you charge and what you do and, um, and really remaining in an advisory capacity 
And if the client really needs a set of hands, go help them hire that person. Or you can even find a part-time, like a, a more junior version of you who can do some execution work or, you know, an agency who can help with that. Or, you know, there's all kinds of people who are out there specializing in, in execution. And uh, so helping, basically being a facilitator, as, as though your hands were tied behind your back, what would I, how to help a client get to the same result that nets out to a similar cost. And you can get creative with that. You can outsource all kinds of stuff to different people and sort of, uh, but then I would leave basically the management, like the follow-up and and the budgeting and the inputting of data and all those other things to the client, whether that's the the business owner or the person you help hire or the outsource person. So you're not there to even manage. Uh, and this is a big distinction as well. You're there to advise in the process. And so what it does is if, you know, uh, yeah, it's up to the client ultimately. And business owners, even busy ones, can can manage to a certain degree. Uh, as long as you are giving them all the tools and systems they need to be able to do that so it doesn't become a full-time job for them because they are busy, uh, even if it's an admin support or, a, you know, like a, a front desk, you know, receptionist or uh, or anyone, an intern, like as long as there's someone in there that can keep their hands on the projects and make sure that they're being followed up on and respond, people are being responded to and, you know, people are being paid and everything else, then you're fine. Uh, so you just help, help them do that by introducing them to the execution people and then, and then helping them uh, manage their own projects. And then you come in to advise on every step of the way, give them the next steps and the homework, you know, after each call. And this works well with companies of all sizes. The bigger they are, the more they, the more support they tend to have in-house. And the smaller they are, the more the CEO is involved. And they can loop in. They typically all have at least one sort of general admin or admin person that can help with uh, managing some of these things. And then you can kind of coach them through. But they tend to move a little slower, but at the same time, they, they can still get great results. So uh, right now you're getting sucked in because you have the curse of competency and people don't know how else to get stuff done. So the better you're able to help bring that Rolodex of people to the table and help them hire people where necessary um, because you should be very expensive. It should make sense to hire a 30 or 50, 60, $70,000 a year um, person combined with your three to $5,000 a month retainer. And that's still less than the cost of one uh, one of your, you know, fully managed, you know, seven to $10,000 advisory uh, or fractional CMO uh, stuff. So that's how I look at it. Um, and then, so I think you're going on with your question, you know, you're saying, so, you know, I'm conscious that I could spend like, so how, how would I, um, would you say? So I think one thing I'd be interested in understanding is, is how much other people invest in these activities and the marketing activities and what, what the most efficient way to go about it is. I'm very conscious that I could spend a day or a week doing this or a day a week doing this. Uh, but right now I feel somewhat uncomfortable earning nothing for a day when the work is available, despite knowing that I need to do this to grow in the future. And there you go. Right. So now you feel like when you sell days, you feel like every day lost is an opportunity to make more money. Um, whereas I can tell you right now, uh, you know, I don't do day rates and I have two to three to four calls a day. Um, and I have lots of time to exercise, take a nap, go for a walk, you know, uh, think, write, create. And, um, so that's kind of the vision I try to help people, um, uh, to create so that, you know, so you have time to market yourself. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about how, like how, how I do it. And frankly, um, there's many ways you could do this. And, uh, but if you want to be successful, it helps to just follow like patterns of what successful people are doing. So I'll share with you a little bit of insight in terms of how you can market yourself. Um, and you say, you know, um, yeah, where do you start when you're time poor? So, uh, so what I what I recommend is if you only had, you said, you know, what would you do if you only had two hours a week or five hours a week, for example? My my main thinking is uh, is email. So at the very least, if you only have like 
an hour a week, then I would write one weekly email and I would republish that on say LinkedIn and, uh, and, and on wherever other social media platforms you use. And if you have a little bit more time, like two hours, I might repurpose that and reshare it a few times and kind of, you know, try to give each piece of content more distribution, more legs, you know, put it in like find ways to contribute to communities or what have you in a, in an organic way that, that isn't just sending a link, but is actually adding value. So still getting your content across, uh, wherever you can. If you had five hours a week, I would write more content. Um, you know, I spend, I spend uh, probably about five hours a week doing my daily writing and it usually looks like about a 30, 30 minutes, sometimes more, um, per, per, per post. And I, I publish on, on my WordPress blog and I've got ConvertKit set up to pick that up, uh, via RSS and send it out to my mailing list. So there's very little friction and then that automatically gets published to Twitter very little friction, uh, to publish that stuff. And you know, that takes about five hours a week. And then now you're a daily writer, which makes you very rare, one of a kind. The goal of daily writing is, is short, succinct, uh, posts. Um, it, you could also just do this three days a week, five days a week. Some people do this four days, six days. Uh, I prefer all seven cause it's just more interesting, more remarkable, and there's fewer people doing it. And that kind of creates more of like it perks of people's ears. They take notice. They say, wow, this person must be an expert if they're writing exclusively for our industry. Um, you know, this often. Um, and then if you had more time, you'd sprinkle in say a quarterly webinar or some other form of content. Uh, you know, outreach is great if you, you know, occasional outreach or just even contributing to people's social media posts that are in your niche, these types of things help increase your surface area, you know, developing relationships are always very valuable. So it really depends on how much time you have, but just to kind of put a, to kind of put a bow on this conversation a little bit, this one way conversation sort of, uh, or I guess asynchronous rather, um, you know, I think it's really about organizing your business model first so that you have more free time so that you're not doing so much execution. And I would phase, frankly, I would phase out of doing your highest level execution. And that means having people to do execution work so you can become, you can fulfill that role because the client doesn't really care how the work gets done as long as someone helps them get it done. So if you can get a project manager that you can employ and bring on, you know, and the client pays for as a part-time thing, great. If you can get a freelance writer to do all the blog writing for your clients and you really trust them and they start to learn your style, great. If you can get a pay-per-click person, an SEO person, a web developer, a graphic designer, all these things free up you so you don't have to be the one to execute. And ultimately you help clients, you find people at the right prices in the right parts of the world that can do execution work that it nets out to be uh, a very similar value proposition in terms of what they spend overall. And all, as long as at the end of the day, what they're paying on marketing results in a positive ROI, you don't need to be the one executing. And it's not that difficult to do that even with clients with small budgets. I work with some clients that are, you know, less than a million dollars in an advisory capacity and I'm able to generate tons of business for them. Um, especially when I specialize like in the coworking world, like, you know, not even including the coaching stuff that I do. So, um, that's kind of my thing is, you know, I think what I would do is I would, I would, almost, I would put the word waiting list, which is, I think what I've done on Kevin.me, uh, beside my highest level tier. And I'd be, basically be like, this is like off limits. There's a waiting list for this and it's expensive. I would put a high price tag on it. I would really try to get people on that sort of $3,000 a month or, you know, 20 something hundred pounds. I think you're in London, uh, Mark 25, let's call it 2,500 pounds or, or two, 2,000 pounds or something. And sort of just like that's your, your retainer worth for the first month you meet every week. And then every, after that you meet every other week. And at the end of, you have a, like a six month, you know, engagement and at the end of that time, uh, you know, you, 
they can continue with you or not, but by then you'll have at least built out all the, the main stuff they need to, to grow a thriving business. Um, so I hope this helps. I think really you got to fix the business model piece first and have a vision for it. Uh, and if you think about like my method, my methodology, my framework is, you know, at the top you have a niche, so you're already there. The second is you're building credibility. And I think you already have established credibility in your niche. Uh, number three is your methodology. So how do you, what are you doing when you're doing the execution work? What pieces need to be put in what order roughly? And then how do you formalize that? So you don't have to be the one to do it all the time. At least you can completely, you can repeat it with, with less effort every time. Number four is the business model. And then number five is the marketing. So there's no point in jumping down to, to uh, marketing until you are clear on your business model in such a way that it's not going to be your bottleneck. So I would try to phase myself out of that high level fraction of CMO stuff uh, as much as you can and get to an advisory sort of level because it's really easy to juggle, you know, seven to 10 clients paying you say three grand a month. Um, it's really, really easy. And then you can layer in group coaching stuff. You can start selling your methodology as products. You can maybe introduce a membership or some sort of a community aspect to it as well. Uh, you can spend way more time on marketing, you know? So, um, yeah, I probably spend only, I don't know, less than 10 hours a month a week marketing myself. And, uh, I could certainly do a lot more. Um, right now I'm at, a, I'm, at I'm pretty busy. So, uh, but I always make time for marketing cause you always want to keep the demand increasing more so than your supply if you can. So I hope that helps Rob. Um, it is about your business model right now and designing a vision that, you, you know, and this is what I help people do with my one-to-one coaching, my group coaching. I am going to be opening a new mastermind group coaching program, uh, pretty soon it's kevin.me slash mastermind. I've got the first one going. We've got three participants in that group. I think I'm going to keep it at three participants per group. It's a really nice size. And, um, so if, if you or anyone listening to this are interested in transitioning from execution into an advisory sort of role, um, either working one-to-one with me, which I have, and that's sort of the, you know, there's a bit of a waiting list right now, but reach out if you're interested in that so we can keep that conversation going. But even that mastermind group, uh, which I'll be launching, I think at some point, especially if there's demand uh, this this quarter, um, that'll really help kind of d- d- figure out the nuances of both how to sell it, how to package it, and then how to how to manage, you know, the advisory stuff, right? So that you're working with your clients in a way that it, it all adds up to a really good experience for everybody. So if you or in- anyone in- are interested in doing something like that, uh, we we're time zone fle- uh, flexible, time zone friendly, so. Um, so yeah, reach out about that uh, for anyone listening to that. Cause there is, you know, I know a couple of people have expressed interest already, uh, and there's only going to be three people in it. And, um, so yeah, I think, yeah, those are the, the marching orders for you, Rob. And I, and I hope, I uh, hope this has been helpful for you. It sounds like you're in a good place. And now it's a matter of just kind of continuing to shape the business the way you want it to, and not just reacting to what clients always want, which is someone to execute for them. That's all for now. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Oh, and before you go, if you or anyone you know uh, is interested in this group, basically if anyone you know is interested in this group or you think they'd be a good fit for it, they're advisors, they're maybe running an agency, they're freelancing and they want to do more strategy work and more kind of higher level engagements or kind of scale up a productized service uh, sort of, um, uh, yeah, like I got a couple people in here running productized services on the execution front send them to this group. Uh, I'd love to have more people in here and your word of mouth really helps a lot. You're all marketers. So, you know, any, any kind of introductions or any kind of sharing on social media would go a long way. So appreciate that. And, uh, talk to you soon. Bye.